Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Uh, Hello. Uh, My name is Christian McCartney. You know, you guys don't have to say hello back every time. It's okay. Um, My name is Christian McCartney. I hope you've had a good winter break or still continuing your winter break. Um, How many start school next week? Okay, how about the week after that? Okay, nobody really. Okay, that's fine. Um, I would like to say that this is not a design element. I actually did spill tea on my pants here, right there. So if you're thinking, wow, he's so attractive, there's a necessary caveat there. Um... Second thing to say is that we had a Christmas party that was very fun. I really enjoyed that Christmas party. Somebody enjoyed it so much that they stole my shoes. So if you flip up the next slide, um, this is what my shoes look up like here. Um, they're Adidas. They're not exactly like that, but I didn't think I'd have to take a picture of my shoes for like ransom purposes. So whoever wears like Adidas type shoes, uh, you have mine and yours are back at the booth house. So uh, I don't know, 12 and a half or something. So if you have big, sh- okay, here's the one. If you have shoes about this size, and you're like, wow, these shoes are comfortable. Wow, you stole mine. Um, Shout out to the guy who gave me a piggyback ride to my car. So thanks for all that. Um, Anyway, if you guys haven't been here, we're going to start a new series. So this is a perfect time to come. We're going to start a new book um, series in the Bible uh, called Jonah. Um, And the reason I started this is because we're going to do some pretty heavy series coming up here. And I thought to myself, We'll do Jonah. That sounds pretty easy, you know, four chapters. How many of you in this room are familiar with the basic plot line of Jonah? Let's play some word association here. Jonah and the? Okay, perfect. That's what I was expecting. Um, And I'm really going to try to break down a lot of preconceptions tonight because a lot of you might be in here and you think to yourself, yeah, Jonah is a pretty easy book. You know, we're going to go through Jonah, and I know that. I've watched Veggie Tales and the Fish Flapping and the Big Whale and the, you know, whatever that song's called. That I hate that song anyway. Um... As I heard a pastor say, we're going to rescue Jonah from the vegetation growing over it, the veggie stuff growing over it. Because um, I'll be honest with you, I've not been more convicted than preparing a sermon than Jonah. And that's not because I think of a cute little cucumber in the bottom of the ocean. It's uh, because God designed this book to talk to us. So we're going to do some historical background here. Um, there are three ways to view the book of Jonah, okay? The first one is that it is a real historical account of a real man named Jonah who goes to a real city. That's one. Uh, The second way to view it is that it's a type of ironic satire, right? Whether it happened or didn't doesn't doesn't matter. Um, Maybe a man like Jonah did exist, maybe he didn't, and what he does, I mean, there's a lot of things that's happened here that are pretty weird, right? Um, It talks about Jonah that the the cows repent of their sin. The cows have to wear sackcloth. Wow, nobody got that? Like the cows are gonna have to put like black cloth over because they're so remorseful for their sin. Um, the ship in Jonah decides whether to break up. The Hebrew wording is like the ship's thinking, like, maybe I should break up, maybe I shouldn't. Um, the city is supposed to be 45 miles wide, right? And Jonah gets swallowed by a, by a fish. So there's all that to kind of consider. But the third view of, and this is kind of the one we're going to be taking, is that this is a historical um, element. This is a historical story that happened. But there are tons and tons of irony in this book. This book is the only book that's written about a prophet. You know, you Jeremiah, chapters and chapters and chapters about prophecy. Isaiah, chapters and chapters and chapters about prophecy. Um, Jonah preaches a five or six word sermon in this book, and the rest of it's about Jonah. Um, so we're going to talk about that. 
But let's make some passages to prove that Jonah was real, because I know some of you don't believe me. So if we flip up the next slide, not the shoe one, please, not the shoe one. Um, this is in 2 Kings 14.25. How do we know that Jonah existed interbiblically? Well, it says, this is talking about the king here. He restored the border of Israel from Label Hamath as far as the Sea of the Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, listen, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who is from Gath Hefer, okay? Jonah means dove in Hebrew, and Amittai means faithfulness. So Jonah, dove, son of faithfulness. So dove, son of faithfulness is the same, is the same one here. So we know that the Bible uh, proves Jonah in Jonah that he existed, but we also see it in another extra-biblical or interbiblical account that Jonah existed. Um, so that looks familiar there. Now, so let's say, what about Jonah? Maybe he existed to the Jews, you know, sort of like a Santa Claus here. How do we know that he existed to Jesus, okay? You pull up the next verse, it's Matthew 12, 40. He says, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights into the belly of the earth. Now, or into the heart of the earth. Question, if I said to you, Okay, hopefully nobody believes in Santa Claus in here, because if you do, I'm going to spoil that for you. Um, if I said to you, just like Santa gives gifts to the good boys and the good girls of the world, so I'm going to give you a gift, would you expect a present from me? Yes. <laughs> no is the right answer there. <laughs> um, I, can't, I can't appeal to something fake to prove something factual to you, right? I think that's pretty clear. Um, if I said, well, I built a bridge over this, this, you know, ravine here. Well, does it work? It doesn't really matter whether it works, right? It just matters where you believe it works. Uh, no, it matters if it works, right? It has to work. So Jesus proves it. And we're going to see in the third verse here is actually the verse after Matthew 12, 41. Um, Jesus says here, for the men of Nineveh will rise up at this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater is here. So, Interbiblically, if you don't believe that Jonah's real, you know, that's why we're going to take the third view because the Bible bears witness to Jonah's existence and to his veracity as a prophet. Um, and then you can see extra-biblically, Nineveh is an actual city that exists where Jonah goes. Um, the city actually means place of fish there. That's why in VeggieTales we're slapping each other with fish, you know. Um, they're actually on the banks of the Tigris, this great city called Nineveh is on the banks of the Tigris. Um, and the Ninevites were really great people. Um, they were the capital city of Assyria at this point. And um, when they would go conquer somebody, you know, with fake swords or whatever, they would put fish hooks in the eyes of the soldiers and drag them along, right? Really nice, really pleasant people. They would take you from the city where you lived your entire life, and they would fish hook you to this other city. That, Assyria became known for mass deportation, where they conquered you, they'd throw all of you somewhere else so that you didn't have to live there with anybody else. That was a policy that Babylonians later had. You'll notice here, too, I actually don't know if I'll read this out loud or not, but I've decided I'm going to. I took a picture of this. Uh, Ashurbanipal II said this, Of some I cut off their feet and hands. Of others I cut off their ears, noses, and lips. Of the young men's ears I made a heap. Of the old men's heads I made a minaret. The male children and female children I burned in the flames of the city. Really nice guy, you know. So let's, <laughs> let's get into the uh, passage here. Um, Nineveh existed, Jonah existed, the Assyrian Empire existed, and this is what God has said to Jonah. We're going to start the first here. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, came to Dove, son of faithfulness, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Okay, so here's some geography here. Let's say this is where Jonah's at, okay? 
He goes down to Joppa. Okay, this is still kind of in the Israelite region. And then he goes to Tarshish, which is in Spain. Okay, that's the corner of the known world. We're not talking about Jonah running away from God, and he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to go to the next, you know, I'm going to run away. No, he went as far away as he could. That's the equivalent of our English language of saying he's in Timbuktu. Like, he's out of here. He's gone. <laughs> that's what Jonah did, because he was not about it. And after what I read, right, you would assume, like, Jonah's afraid. He doesn't want to go there because he's afraid of the Ninevites. He's afraid of what they've done. The Assyrians have been a constant thorn in the Israelite side, and in fact, they carry away the northern kingdom. I mean, you'll realize that maybe Jonah's afraid of them because of that. And we're not going to talk about why Jonah's afraid. But now it'll say, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh. But Jonah rose to flee. But Dove rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. The first point we're going to notice here um, is not living up to your name. Um, Jonah's name was Dove, son of faithfulness, right? He's a prophet. God asks the prophet to do something, and does Jonah say, yes, sir? No. Does Jonah say, well, I really, this is hard for me, but I'm going to do it? No. He's, he runs away. God tells him to do something, and he's like, yeah, that's cool. No, he literally runs away in the opposite direction. His name is literally Dove, right? Innocent, you know, peaceful, kind, nice. He's like, see a God. He's a prophet. He's a prophet. Um, Dove, son of faithfulness, you know? Um, and maybe that we haven't been called to go to Nineveh and, you know, pagan, you know evangelize a pagan city. Um, but God has called you by name too, right? My name's Christian, so this is easy for me. Sometimes I don't act like a Christian. <laughs> wow, really? Um, people come up to me all the time. They're like, what would you do if your parents named you Muhammad? I get that question all the time. Oh, I don't know, man, you know. <laughs> Shut up. But it's like... <laughs> Listen, I'm sure Jonah got this all the time. You know, dove son of faithfulness. Wow, that's cute, buddy. What happens when you don't live up to your name? And maybe your name isn't Christian or Jonah or dove, you know. But uh, God has called you by name. If you're in this room and you're a Christian, God has called you something. Like I said, it's probably not dove, but it's definitely child of God, right? It's definitely more than conqueror. It's definitely dead to sin and shame, redeemed and restored and whole and made new. But what happens when you go against your name? What happens when a child of God, that you've been called by God, starts acting like a child of the devil? What happens when more than conqueror lives in fear? What happens when dead to sin and shame still lives in sin and shame? And all the rest, what happens when Dove, son of faithfulness, the main character of the book, starts living faithlessly to God? He starts going against his name. Well, what happens when a kid runs away from their dad? Uh, and the next point we're going to read is God brings the storm. And we'll read this here. Um, it says, But he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break it up. See how it says there, so that the ship threatened to break it up? It's not that the storm threatened to break the ship up. It's that the ship threatened to break itself up. Do you see that there? That's accurate in the Hebrew. The ship's like, hmm, I'm thinking like whether to break up. There's so much irony in the story, and you have to realize that. Jonah goes down from here to Joppa. He goes down into the ship. We'll realize later he goes down inside the ship to sleep. This whole story is this, uh, this beautiful piece of poetry that's just talking about this downward spile of a man who's called something by God, dove son of faithfulness. You know, he's called to something from God, and he doesn't do it. He goes down, 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 down. And we realize God brings a storm. 
Uh, and I feel like that's a Mike Duma. I, I can almost swear that he has made a point like that before. So no plagiarism, but kind of. Um, none of that. Listen, when you're running away from God, God's going to let you run away from the time. You know, God could have sent an elephant to swallow up Jonah, right? I mean, God, if, if he's swallowed by a fish, might as well be swallowed by an elephant. Like, no problem. But God lets Jonah run away, right, to Joppa. And he lets Jonah run away then from Joppa down to Tarshish, right? He's permitting him in his rebellion for a time. I wonder what Jonah's thinking as he's running away. Um, but God's permitting him running away. Um, and the Bible reaffirms that Jonah's futile point, that uh, he is running away from the presence of the Lord. Um, and I think we have Psalm 139 up here. This is a psalm with Jonah, which almost indubitably would have been familiar. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I send to a heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there, right? So is the psalmist saying, like, you can run away from God if you go hard enough, right? Go to Canada. God's like, dang, where's that guy at? No, right? I can't run away from God. That's the whole point of Psalm 139. Now, what about Jonah that he does not understand about this? He's running, and his sin is making him illogical. He's, he just knows he wants to do this. And we're going to realize here, Jonah, like, needs to see an ancient therapist. Jonah needs somebody to, to be like, are you okay, buddy? Like, like, pat him on the shoulder. He's going down and down and down and down and down. And he can't run away from the presence of the Lord. So he couldn't have run away, but we'll see what happens next. And it'll say, but the Lord hurled the great wind upon the sea, uh, it says that here, but the Lord, the Lord hurled, Lord hurled, the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. Oh, yeah, you talk for 45 minutes. It's fine. <laughs> no, the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. Um, who hurled the wind upon the sea? Lord. That, yeah, great. That's perfect. The Lord did it, right? Did the Lord do it because he was like, dang, I love to see when those waves are all like that. No. He was chasing after Jonah. Jonah was permitted for a time to live in his disobedience, right? But as a son of God, as a conqueror through, you know, as, as somebody that God chose and protected and loved, God was going to chase after Jonah. And the Lord is the one who's hurling the great wind upon the sea, and there's this mighty tempest on, on the ocean. God is bringing the storm. Um, as a Christian, the best and the worst thing in the world is God running after you, okay? And I say the best and the worst thing in the world. Um, and God will run after you, but in a way that only God can, right? Um, everybody else in your life is going to disappoint you at some time, right? You're, you're going to wish they did more. You're going to wish they did more. You might wish they did more now. But when God does it, he doesn't bring what you expect, right? Everybody's going to be here, right? Your expectation's here. Everybody's going to be here. When God runs after you because you're running away from him, it's not going to be where you expect, right? He's going to destroy like that, right? When he comes into your life, he's going to make you into the person that you need to be. And God does, just doesn't let, could God have saved Nineveh by himself? Yeah, how could he have done it? Just kidding. Uh, there's a billion ways, right? <laughs> Jesus says when he's prophesying, these people are saying, you know, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And the religious leaders say, Jesus, you know, tell these people to shut up. And Jesus is like, hey, if they didn't do it, the stones would. Right? Because God doesn't need you to accomplish what he's going to do. But God wants to use you, and he's chasing, chasing, chasing after Jonah, who wants no part in the redemptive act that God's going to perform. Um, and so then what we see after that is that Jonah is now in the ship. But he's just not on the ship, baby. He is down. Where does it say he's at? In verse 5, it'll say it to us here. Then the mariners were afraid, 
that's an understatement, and each cried out to his God. Okay, first thing here, the first prayer in the book of Jonah is a pagan crying out to their pagan God. Okay, just remember that. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But where was Jonah? Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. I love that. I hate that and I love that at the same time. Jonah's done, right? Jonah's checked out. He's like, I'm out of here. The passage almost makes it seem like Jonah realizes there was a storm. He's like, yeah, I'm out of here. And goes down and falls fast asleep, right? I think there's some parallels here to do. Who is the only other Bible, biblical character who fell asleep in the middle of a storm? Jesus. Right, and notice the difference here. Jesus is living in the center of God's will, so exhausted from caring for others that he falls asleep. Jonah is running away from God, living exactly at the other corner of God's will, not caring for others, and he falls asleep out of selfishness. God is asleep. Jesus is asleep in the bottom of the boat because of selflessness. Jonah's there because of selfishness. And Jonah had gone down and would rather die, right? He would rather have died out of selfishness to himself than have gone to Nineveh. Jesus is in the bottom of this, in the ship, and he's going to die out of selflessness for you and for me. And if you're in this room, you need to remember that God loves you and that God cares for you and God wants you on his team. Because you see that here. Jonah is living the life that we all would have lived. Um, and yet Jesus comes and is sleeping in the boat. And yet when he comes back, he dies for you on the cross because he cares about you so much. Um, and I don't know if this part's kind of, I never thought about this when I was reading Jonah until I was kind of studying for this passage. Um, but I think a lot of this that we kind of see here in our culture comes from really good teaching on heaven, you know? I talk to people who are like hyped to go to heaven. They're so excited, they're like, heaven's gonna be great. And you know, it's, I don't talk to too many people like, yeah, you know, I have a lot that I wanna get finished first. A lot of people are like, sick, take me out of here, you know? Um, but it can reach a point that I'm guilty of just as much as anyone else, probably more guilty, um, that instead of doing what God has called us to do, we'd much rather die, right? You're not suicidal, you don't wanna kill yourself, you're just like, maybe I'll just fall asleep and never wake up. And you joke about it with your friends and you think about it, but you're kind of like, yeah, you know, I'm here. It's fine. Um, and maybe that's because you're running away from the season that God has called you to as too. You know, maybe God's called you to a season to, you know, abstain from sexual immorality or live in sexual purity. And it's fine. You enjoy it. You're fine. But you're like, you know, life's okay here. You know, I really don't have any desire to live here. Um, maybe you're stressed with school and you're thinking to yourself like, you know, if I died, at least there wouldn't be exams, right? I just wish I could sleep. You know, I could sleep. I would, that would be so great. Um, the death doesn't have exams. Or maybe you'd rather not be here because of what God has said. God is calling you into a season of singleness, or God's calling you to a season of being frugal with your money, or God's calling you to a season of this. And you're just like, yeah, whatever, I'm here. And yet this is weighing down on your heart, right? And as Christians, I, as Christians, you need to stop binging Netflix, Okay. As, hey, I've been watching this television show. I'm already on season three, right? That's fine. But if you're binging Netflix because you're frustrated with life, that's an unhealthy way of coping. We have a billion sermons on that, too, if you need to learn about that. Um, if you go to sleep at 8 o'clock because you're always tired and you're always frustrated and you're just like, oh, I'm just out of here. Listen, God has called you to something in this room, right? God has called every single person in here to a season, right? Maybe like you're like Jonah and God's called you to, you know, Preach to the pagans, probably not. But God's called you to a season here in this room. And what happens is that when Jonah runs away from God, he's ready to die. 
What does it say? Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. He did not care. And in our lives here, I think we need to realize that uh, we should start accepting the season God has prepared for us. And we'll see that even more in verse six. Um, And this is the last verse we're gonna do tonight because there's so much that I think that we need to cover with this. Like I said, I thought it was gonna be easy. It's not gonna be easy. Okay, so the captain came to Jonah and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Who's the only one making sense in this dang story, right? The captain's like, wake up. What are you doing down here? Freaking the ship's about, the ship's threatening to break up, you know? Arise, call out to your God. Who's the one trying to get Jonah to pray? The pagan captain of the ship, right? They don't care. You know, they were just doing a good job going to, you know, going to Tarshish. And they're like, wake up, call to your God. Arise, call to your God. Listen, perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. The whole reason they're in this situation is because the God has given a thought to them, right? That's the whole reason they're there. They're not there because of some freak element on the water. They're not there because, you know, warm temperatures from here and cold temperatures from here. You know, they're there because God hurled a a storm or a wind on the sea, and it's a storm. And so the pagans are the one, and this is the ironic element in all these stories, is that the first prayer that you'll see is by the pagans to their pagan god. The second prayer in this is from the pagan ship, ship people to, ship people, mariners, whatever, from the pagan mariners to Yahweh. The third prayer in the book is actually by the prophet to his God. The third prayer in the book, right? Because Jonah's not living up to his name anymore. Um, but they had mistaken this as God doesn't care about us, right? They told Jonah, they said, listen, wake up. See if God cares about you. See if your God cares about you. You know, they lived in a polytheistic culture where there was a God of the water and a God of the wind and a God of fertility and a God of the rain. And they were like, pray to Ishtar, pray to, you know, Arnoth, pray to all these gods and see if they'll, you know, wake up and care about you, if they'll give a thought to you. See whom you've offended. See who you need to wake up to let you know that you're in the wrong here. Um, But this hadn't happened because God didn't care enough. This happened because God cared a ton about about them and Jonah. Um, and some of this rumor in the same spot. If you'll bear with me for a moment, um, just here, maybe you're in a storm right now, you know, and I don't mean like an ocean storm because Jonah was in an ocean storm, but this is talking about Jonah's heart here, and maybe you're in a storm of life right now, um, and you're looking up at God, and you're saying, do you even care about me, right? You're sitting there, and I don't know what it is. Maybe you guys are all fine. Um, I'm not normally, so if you cared about me, that would be my answer to you. Um, And so this is for me, basically. Um, I sit in the storms of life, and I look up at God, and I say, why don't you care about me? Because if you cared about me, it would be smooth sailing, right? If you cared about me, you'd just let me go to Tarshish by myself, right? But God cares about me so much that he's letting me go through the storm, right? God cares about Jonah so much that he's throwing the storm to get him to turn away. Um, I heard a, I went to Passion, not to brag, went to Passion, and heard this lady give this phenomenal illustration of a child who, if she said, if her kid told her, I don't want to sit in the car seat. You know, the kid's all bumpy and bouncy, and, you know, to strap the kid in, that's not fair. You know, what if the daughter said, I don't want to do that? Is her as a mother, is she as a mother just going to say to the kid, hey, do what you want, baby. I can't, you know, control your life. No. She's her mother, and that's child abuse. And she's going to get the kid, strap it in the dumb car seat, and feel like he's restraining the kid so that the kid can be safe and the kid can be protected. And God as a father does that to you. And might the car seat you're in feel restricting? 
maybe, but it's not because God hates you, it's because God loves you. The season you're in isn't because God's forgotten about you, it's because God is, knows exactly where you're at and God wants to save you from that or wants to teach you something about himself and his faithfulness and his character. Um, and if you're in this room and that's you tonight, I just wanna say um, a lot of this is a paradigm shift. It's not something you need to do, it's not something you need to you know, think through, it's not something you need to, you know, uh, pray or fast or give me 20 bucks. Um, what you need to do is you need to sit there. The 20 bucks is funny. No, that's fine. <laughs> but what you need to do is you need to sit and look at God in his face, right? You need to be there in the presence of God with your hands open. And you need to say, Lord, the storm I'm in right now isn't because you don't like me. It's not because you don't love me. It's because you're trying to teach me something. Luke Kramer would always say, you're in a storm, pull up a chair, Right? Don't expect to get through it. Expect to sit here and learn and realize and recognize what the Lord has for you. And that's such a big deal because we're not in this storm on accident. We're in this storm because God loves us. Um, I'm very excited for the rest of this passage. Um, it's only going to get worse or better depending on how you're viewing it. Um, and this has been beating me up all week. If you need someone to talk to, I'll be up in the front after. Um, just remember this. God loves you. God cares for you. And he's on your team. Um, let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, I just can't begin to start by understanding really what this book has to say other than the fact that a God as good as you loves a person as bad as I am. And I just pray that you would help me understand your love for me, God. Help me understand that the love that you have for me um, isn't dictated by the circumstances that I'm in. Um, and the circumstances I'm in, that I'm in are to show me something about your character, God, or to, or to have me partner with you in a mission of uh, bringing your good news to this earth, God. And uh, in this room, God, we're thankful for that. We're thankful that you want to use us. You don't have to, God. The stones could do it, right? You could have gone to Nineveh yourself, but you sent faithless dove, you know, Jonah, to do it, do it with you. You didn't have to, but you decided to use him through his faithlessness, God, through his faithlessness. And uh, God, I just pray that we would all repent, God, if we're in this room and we have been ascribing to you characteristics that are not true of your name, if we have been accusing you of un not loving us, if we've been accusing you of faithlessness, um, we remember what it says in the Bible. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And we're thankful for that truth, God, that you've given us tonight. Um, we just pray that you'd bless us the rest of the time of fellowship we have. In your son's name, amen.